The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. We're talking fantasy football wide receivers. It's draft season. You got to get the value. You're listening to the Fantasy Football Almanac Show with Sean and David G from Google Fantasy World. David, how you doing, my friend? Excellent, excellent. As you can see, uh, I have my Ravens hat on today. There you go. I, I don't normally like to display my, my bias at the front like that, but uh, we're talking wide receivers today. There might be a Ravens wide receiver who I might want to put a little love on today, and uh, I'm getting that quarantine mop on the top of my head, so I figured it'd be a good, t- good time to put it on. <laughs> I think I know who that uh, that Ravens receiver you talk about, and I'm very high on him as well, so I look forward to that. Uh, before we get rolling here, a couple of housekeeping things. Um, first of all, of course, everybody knows we're, we're still kind of a new show. We really need your support. If you could give us um, a like and a subscribe, if you're on iTunes, certainly, uh, and a five-star review, that means the world to us. I know it only takes a couple seconds for you, can do, you to do just a couple of clicks with the old thumb there on your phone. If you could do that, that would really help us out. Also, I know it's fantasy football season. If you have not yet prepared for your draft, you can still get in on the Fantasy Football Almanac. It's available on Amazon. Click the link below. Uh, but yeah, man, we're going to be talking wide receiver today. Before I do so, I w- I've been preparing for the NFL season, dude. And I noticed that um, I was on Bovada Sportsbook today. And they're doing simulated NFL games. And I looked at that and I was just like, hmm, simulated NFL games. I know I don't know if that's something I really want to get into. And I was thinking about it because I'm I, I I'm I'm a little I'm a little hesitant to bet on the 2020 NFL season until I know kind of like how you know this COVID policy and the quarantine stuff's gonna affect it. And I look at the the rosters and I'm like, I did pretty well last season. Maybe I should get in on some of these 2019-2020 roster simulated games. Do you have like it, like any thoughts on that? Are you a better at all, David? This is my first year. I put a few bets down. Um, nothing much. I put $25 into my account. I think that was the minimum you yeah, had to right. put. So. Yeah, yeah. And I'm... Uh... I'm definitely into it, and again, you know, usually I participate in the, the the big like you know conglomerate contests. I'm gonna pump the brakes on that and just be a little bit more conservative this year. But I'm I'm liking the idea of these simulated games, so I'll check that out. But anyway, let's get to um, wide receiver action here. Um, so look, I, I have been starting. This is my mock draft season. I've been doing some mock drafts this week, and when I and we talked about it on the show man like I was like maybe the idea is to just to try to sweep through wide receiver early and pick up some of these value running backs late and so I did a couple of mock drafts under that scenario like I'm not going to take a running back in the first four rounds I'm just going to see what happens if I just take wide receiver tight end quarterback and all that stuff and I do like the value uh, because as we talked about last week you can get Jordan Howard you can get Mostert you can get some guys late that I like but then I did the other scenario this weekend, and I drafted you know running back heavy, and I wanted to see what wide receivers slipped. And I'm like, there's a lot of good wide receivers slipping. I think this is a value year for running back and wide receiver, which I think is odd. I think we're starting to see some of that shift to tight end, like you like, David. I know the, the early tight ends, um, the early quarterback. And I'm just seeing a lot of guys fall. And I don't agree also, by the way with the uh, the average draft position of a lot of these receivers. So let me, uh, with all that said, let me throw it back to you, man. Like, why don't you hit me with one of the guys um, that you think is just like, how is this guy going this low? And you're snapping him up in your mock drafts in your leagues. Well, first I want to say that that's a good point you made because I had never really thought about that. But if you do think about it, there's like a big six quarterbacks this year. Yeah. We, don't, we don't usually see six quarterbacks being like overdrafted and mm-hmm. talk about the tight ends we have at least four with Andrews and 
uh, Ertz after Kittle Kelsey. And then some people might reach on Waller or, you know, someone else, but basically four. So that's about 10 non-running backs and wide receivers that are going earlier where maybe in the typical year we might have, what, like five to eight. Right. Um, so, yeah, I do think you are seeing running back and wide receiver values uh, a little bit farther down in the draft. Um, as far as sleepers, man, I, it's really hard like for me to call anyone a right. sleeper in like that middle range like because it's just so close, all of those guys. Um, but there's one guy who I feel like is kind of lumped in in that middle range, and I have a lot higher towards the top, and I feel like he's getting slept on a little bit. That, that's DK Metcalf. And I'll tell you, I've been happy to see there's been he's been getting some more love on Twitter the past few days now that we have a little bit more film in the offseason workouts. Uh, people are starting to come around on him, but I'm huge on DK Metcalf this year. DK Metcalf, I like him, and he kind of started exploding later in the season last season. Um, I'm a guy, when when the rankings first came out, and I'm talking like May, June, um, around the time I published the initial version of the, of the Almanac, I saw Metcalf actually high. So I think the people that publish early are higher on him, but then I've seen him kind of descends and he's been like for a while he was going like I'd say like 10 to 12 spots ahead of Lockett and I think Lockett has basically pulled back ahead of, of Metcalf in terms of average draft position I like Metcalf um and I really love the Seattle passing game people you know I, I feel like the passing game in Seattle doesn't get enough love in general like people were really high on Lockett maybe last year or the year before that um but Russell Wilson he's in that part of that you know six quarterback discussion like you mentioned before but Wilson puts up numbers now. I mean, this isn't like his first two years in the league when they were a running team with Marshawn Lynch and the Legion of Boom and all that. Like this is at this point, this Seattle is is led by their passing offense, and they added um, uh, Greg Olson to that tight end mix. I know um, uh, what's his name, Will Disley. I like him in the red zone, but he gets hurt. You know, every two games he plays, he gets hurt and get, you know is out for the year. But yeah, I mean, Metcalf and Lockett, I think, are fantastic fantasy options. Um, and they're being had, I have the average draft position on the like, fantasy pros up. Metcalf is 20th wide receiver, 44th overall at this point, And Lockett is uh, the 18th wide receiver. So interesting how things are going there. I'm going to hit you with one at the top of the draft. That Hold up, hold up. Not but, yet. We're not done with DK. Okay. You thought you were going to get off that easy, my friend? No, no. <laughs> I've got a lot more love to pour on this guy. Um you said, I think, 44th over. I've been getting this guy in the fifth round, all right? And let me tell you, I am comfortable with this guy as my first wide receiver selected 10 times out of 10. Mm-hmm. Last year as a rookie, we talk about what I like to do is I like to look at the second half of the year and see how once they kind of settled in, what did they do in the second half, you know? Because right. I feel like if the situation's the same, we can kind of pro- project that as like a second-year floor for them to at least be able to keep up that second-half pace. You talk about what DK Metcalf did in the second half of the season last year. He had, we'll talk about the last 10 games, which is the last eight of the regular season in the two playoff games. He had 46 receptions for 717 yards and four touchdowns. That's a 16-game pace of 73 receptions, 1,147 yards, and six touchdowns. He scored seven touchdowns on the season. So his touchdown pace actually dropped a little bit in the second half of the year. And this year, honestly, with the progression from year one to two i'm expecting i'm gonna go ahead and say he gets 10 touchdowns this year talk about chris carson being hurt talk about them opening up the passing game russell wilson was third in passing touchdowns last year all right so the touchdown opportunity is there if you give him that second half pace of 73 receptions 1147 yards and you put 10 touchdowns on it that would have been wide receiver 10 last year 
So I think DK Metcalf is going to end up being a wide receiver one this year. We've talked about those wide receiver twos. The ones who are going to make a difference out of that group are the ones who have that upside for one, get into the end zone, and two, put up the yards. He averaged over 15 yards per catch last year. Like mm-hmm. He's a perfect fit for Russell Wilson. They want to get the play action. He scrambles out of the pocket, gives the receivers time to open up downfield. Talk about DK Metcalf, 4-3-3 speed. We should be all in on this guy. He should not be going in the, in the fifth round. Yeah, he was. Right, uh, that's, I think that's enough love. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say he he's he's he was a freak coming out of the draft, and Seattle got him at value coming out of the NFL draft last year. I wonder um, because it took him a while to acclimate. He was raw. I mean, he was a raw wide receiver, so we knew that. But he definitely exceeded my expectations, and I'm never really high on on impact rookie wide receivers to begin with, especially one that's had in the third or fourth round, wherever he ended up dropping to. Although, like it I said, that was last, too low. Last pick of the second round. Oh, was it? He was. He ended up in the yeah. second. Yeah, By but the either time way, everyone was already sleeping. It was like what twelve thirty in the morning at that time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Um, and just to talk about Seattle too, not getting love. I, I'm looking at Bavada has them at plus eighteen hundred to win the Super Bowl. So for reference, that's below Dallas new head coach Dak Prescott, um, new offense in there. Oh, um, they have Seattle below Dallas, huh? Yeah, Seattle plus eighteen hundred. Dallas is at like plus like one thousand. So there you go. Um, and they always get a little uplift from their from their team, but also below New England. I know they got Belichick, and uh, but you know new quarterback Tom Brady's gone. They're they're so as Seattle just doesn't get the love. I always they're a team that I always make money off of in betting, so I like that. But uh, there you go. Um, let me hit you with a wide receiver, like I was going to say at the at the top of the draft that I think is rated a little bit too low. I don't think we need to spend too much time because he's certainly not a sleeper, but. In my mock draft, he was the fourth or fifth wide receiver taken somewhere around there. Tariq Hill, who to me is every bit the equal when healthy and when Patrick Mahomes is healthy, is Michael Thomas. Um, you know, Michael Thomas is great. Don't get me wrong. He's a PPR nightmare. But Michael Thomas, I don't think he's ever gotten double-digit touchdowns, even in this offense. Tariq Hill paired with Patrick Mahomes, if they're healthy. I'm not Look, I'm not saying, hey, draft Tariq Hill over... Uh, Michael Thomas, but I am seeing draft him over Devontae Adams. Um, I'm drafting him clearly over DeAndre Hopkins at this point. I feel like he's going a little bit too low, um, so I'm comfortable with him um, even in the second round, and you might even be able to nab him in some drafts in the third round. I think that's a steal. What do you think about that? You, you make a lot of good points. I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't put him on Michael Thomas's level personally, but he does have that ceiling that Michael Thomas doesn't have yeah. where you talk about getting into the end zone multiple times, putting up 40, maybe in 50-point fantasy games. We just don't really see that from Michael Thomas as much. Um, so the ceiling is definitely higher with Tariq. And the selling point is, I mean, Sammy Watkins, I just saw the other day, the guy's already strained something. It was like his hamstring or groin. Like, already, dude, it's not even the season yet. Like, I mean, Sammy Watkins is going to – how many games is he going to miss? We don't ask if he's going to miss games anymore. We ask how many. So – and and this is with the limited off season program and all. This is yeah. this will be the year of the hamstring pull. Let me tell you of of star wide receiver pulls his hamstring. It's going to drive everybody crazy. It's Mahomes. Crazy. It's Mahomes. That's yeah. all you have to say with with Tyreek Hill. He's got Mahomes. The upside is crazy high on a weekly basis. Yeah, and obviously Kansas City. Well, I shouldn't say obviously because there are some other good teams there. But Kansas City right now, in terms of Super Bowl odds, Bavada has it plus six hundred, which is the number one. Your Baltimore Ravens are uh, are just behind, but uh, yeah, I mean, you're still some value there. Um. Let me see. Well, a guy that we both like and we've talked about on previous episodes, and I'm going to let you run with this. Um, I, 
I, and let me let me do a little bit of a longer lead-in. So my draft, right, when I was talking about my mock draft, I, I was doing kind of the running back scenario. And at first, like I was saying, I was like, hey, maybe I should maybe I should take no running backs in the first couple of rounds and get my other guys early and dominate positions. And then I, I kind of came off of that. And now I'm thinking I'm probably sitting running back the first three to four picks. And I know you like your tight end high, um, and I wouldn't argue that. But in these mock drafts, I'm seeing, by the way, I know this is a wide receiver show. I'm seeing Mark Andrews fall to the sixth or seventh round. Can you believe that? In a 12-teamer? In a 10-teamer. Okay, 10-teamer. That makes a little bit more sense. A little bit more sense. That puts him, what, like fifth round? I I still think that's that's about where he's going fourth, fifth round. I would put him higher. I'd take him at... In the third round, I was I, I, I was going to say end of the third. I would take him at, at the beginning of the third round because once those running backs go at the end of the second round, it's just you don't know where to go. Man. Right, you're reaching on anybody. So if I'm mm-hmm. going to reach, I'm going to reach on my tight end. Yep, I I agree, and I was interested. And then like Gronk is another guy I like this year who's going in sometimes in the ninth round and all that. So I'm I'm personally taking a step back. Although I agree with you on the tight end stuff, I'm thinking, man, if I get wide receivers. Or I'm sorry, if I get running backs early, um, you know, I'm seeing Aaron Jones go into the back half of the second round, which I think is criminal. Um, I, you know, guys that have proven value over time, I, I think it's crazy. So I'm looking at these guys in the middle of rounds, like guys that I can get 40 and later. I'm going to hit you with one. Currently, uh, average draft position number 57 overall. And I know you like this guy, DJ Chark. What do you think about DJ Chark? I do. I love DJ Chark. Uh, you I'm a big Minshew believer. Yep. Anybody who's followed me knows I'm all in on Minshew. I think Minshew is a legit quarterback. And you look at the fit with Minshew, he's willing to throw the ball down the field. Chark is an athlete, man. This guy can go up and get it. He's He had, like, what, low 4-3 speed at the combine. I mean, he was through the first, like, half of the season. I believe he was a top-five fantasy wide receiver. He had that injury in the second half, slowed down a little bit. But, again, this is a guy going to, what, his third year? You're talking about Jacksonville. Nobody's projecting this team to be winning. Their defense <laughs> is not exactly in great shape. It's going to be game script. Minshew to Chark, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity. They don't have a lot of other established weapons in the passing game. D.D. Westbrook probably is a mediocre talent at this point. We can say he's above average at best. LaVisca Chanel, I like. Again, a rookie. There's a chance. There's no, Tyler Eifert at tight end. There's a chance D.J. Chark as a monster year, finishes again as a, a wide receiver one uh, like he was in the first half of the year. Yeah, talk about nobody um, really giving Jacksonville a shot. Bovada has him at plus 20,000 on the Super Bowl. I, I think they're clearly probably the worst team in the AFC South at this point. Um, but look, you know, you got, again, we're talking about the fantasy football almanac, offensive systems and all that stuff. You got Jay Gruden coming in there. Um, I'm a big Gardner Minshew believer too. I'm, I'm sorry, but Gardner Minshew, the only difference that I see between Gardner Minshew and Baker Mayfield is that Gardner Minshew um, is a year younger, at least in the league, in terms of league age, and then a um, um, a, a six-round pick, I believe, instead of a first-round pick. It's it's just they're the same quarterback to me. You, you like that comparison. You made it again. Too, I know, right? I do. One of, the, one of the other episodes. Because I like to be provocative. I like to put things in perspective. <laughs> and, and honestly, like, seriously, if this were a, a comp- I do. I like Minshew more than Mayfield, too, at this point right now. I don't know if I can try. I think... Mayfield was sabotaged a little bit by the oh my gosh he was and I'm not and I'm not down on Minshew or uh, on Mayfield and I know a lot of it's easy to get down on Mayfield because of you know he's he's kind of a polarizing guy I don't mind all that um and I agree I think I think Freddie Kitchens is way too small for the moment way too small for that job and really kind of screwed the pooch there but 
Um, but what I'm saying is, like, if this were Madden, right? Like, you don't really know the guys, but let's say it's the simulated draft in Madden. You see a guy. I mean, they're the same quarterback. I, I just... You could put you could put Gardner Minshew to me in in a Cleveland Browns uniform, and I would not know the difference, and vice versa. I really wouldn't. And so, um, and Gardner Minshew gives you some running yards, but again, this is this is a wide receiver show. And what I really like about Minshew, like you said, is is he just he can chuck the ball. He'll take the shot. It's kind of like what we saw with Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown. Of course, not to that level at this point, but like, hey, I trust this guy. I'm going to throw it, and I'm going to give him a chance. And DJ Chark has the athletic skill to make that happen. Not all quarterbacks can do it. What have we been talking about with Derek Carr for years is that he doesn't do that, right? He never took those shots with Amari Cooper um, when he had them there. He didn't even take shots to Amari Cooper when Amari Cooper didn't have a player on him for like 10 or 15 yards. Gardner easy, Minshew, easy. I like Derek Carr, all right? So I, I like him too, but I'm saying like, I, I like him too, but you know there's that mentality, right? He's, he's clearly conservative. And Minshew's a that, slinger, man. I love it. I love it. And and that's great for wide receivers. And I then I look at Jay Gruden again, coming over in the, the influence of this, um, this team. And I think, why can't... DJ Chark and Gardner Minshew be what was Andy Dalton and AJ Green, you know, six, seven years ago. Why can't it? There's no reason other than people just don't like Jacksonville because they're perceived to be the worst team in the AFC South. I think there's a lot of value there. Um, you're talking about 57 in a 10-team league. That's uh, what the um, the fifth round and a 12-teamer. That's the fifth round somewhere around there. I think he's clearly going to be at least a wide receiver too. I think that's his floor this year and another guy too who's going a little bit before him um, but I think they're similar especially in like quarterback um, uh, chemistry quarterback to wide receiver chemistry uh, Sutton Cortland Sutton's going a little bit later than I thought he'd be going at this point I like the value there especially you talk about the back half of the season once Drew Locke got in there the, the stats he put up what do you think about Cortland Sutton David See, I'm on, I'm on the opposite end of the Sutton okay. train, so this will be a, a g- little good debate because I think that Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler are legit talents. I mm. think Noah Fant is a legit talent, and I, I don't like falling into too many mouths to feed if it's a good passing offense, but do we know if it's a great, more than a good passing offense yeah. right now? Like, Drew Locke has started how many games? Six Five games? or six, like, something like that. It's not a whole lot. This is still a settling period for the guy. And then you talk about the running backs. They brought in Melvin Gordon. They have Philip Lindsay. They haven't traded Royce Freeman. Like This team, last year they passed to the running backs a lot. They're going to run the ball a lot. I believe Mike Munchak is the offensive coordinator who has a history of wanting to establish the run. Um, so I'm, I'm worried that they're going to try and protect Drew Locke and it'll be a good thing for real life, but I'm not sure it's going to translate to a monster year in redraft for Cortland Sutton, especially when you talk about just everything going on with the uh, second-year quarterback, hasn't made a lot of starts, the COVID situation. I just see it maybe coming together towards the end of the season, but I don't see it happening throughout the whole year. And I have a lot of other guys in Sutton's range, like I said, Metcalf, that I'd rather fall in love with. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And those are good points. I'll say, uh, you know, Point and counterpoint. I think to your in agreement with you, I'll say this is 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 Locke. Not a lot of starts. He had some juice last year at the end of the season. It was nice, um, and he obviously you know boosted Sutton's value. That's nice. Well, the off season, what have the defensive coordinators been doing? Nothing but watching tape. Um, and it's always hard for that second you know the second year of the quarterback. And and that's why I, I take a little bit of a pause on Kyler Murray. And I think Murray will be just fine. But you're talking about putting him into that echelon. Is he going to be like Lamar Jackson? There are reasons Lamar Jackson spiked last year, and 
I don't think that they're going to apply necessarily to Kyler Murray, right? Sutton, Murray, these these second-year quarterbacks, defensive coordinators have a plan to attack them. And with this limited offseason, there hasn't been really growth there. So I think Sutton, uh, or I think, um, like you said, it's, it's going to be a little bit uh, harder sledding for Drew Locke. But another point to that is that he's going to have to chuck the ball at some point because I think Denver's going to have a, a kind of a tough start. And I think they're going to take shots. And I think if he's if he's going to go to the well, that well is going to be Sutton. But I think, you know, the worried about um, um, the other wide receivers there, the rookies, I think that's a very valid point. Fant, I'm not sure about. I think he's a, a, a solid talent, but he's a little streaky as a player. Like, I was a lot higher on him last year. I'm pausing and waiting for value this year because I think there, there are other tight ends. But that's a good one. Why don't you hit me with one? I brought up the last couple here. Why don't you hit me with one that we haven't talked about yet? Well, the range we're talking about right now, it's kind of like that wide receiver two range. And I feel like there are a couple guys who should be included in that conversation who really just are getting left out of it and kind of considered as a wide receiver threes. And the first one is, is Brandon Cooks. Talk mm. about You talked about Kyler Murray getting DeAndre Hopkins. That vacated spot is, I, I don't know how many targets Hopkins had off the top of my head. It was a significant amount last year. Talk about Will Fuller. He has missed games in all four of his years. Like, he's not exactly, you know, a beacon of health. Yeah, I know. Then you talk about Brandon Cooks himself. He's been a good player. He had five straight 1,000-yard seasons before last year. Last year's a blip on the radar, and that's kind of blinding us, giving us that recency bias. But you talk about those five straight seasons uh, with 1,000 yards. Two of them were in his first year with a new team. In 2017 with New England, his first year with them, he had 65 receptions, 1,082 yards, seven touchdowns. In 2018, first year with the Rams, 80 receptions, 1,204 yards, five touchdowns. Like, Deshaun Watson's going to have to pass somebody. I don't trust Will Fuller to stay healthy. Randall Cobb is a fringe marginal talent at this point. The tight ends, I don't see any of them dominating or commanding any sort of targets you talk about jordan thomas jordan against kahale warring people love kahale warring on twitter that guy he's raw i don't think he's played <laughs> a, a game in the nfl like these tight ends are not going to command targets deshaun watson's still a very good four thousand yard quarterback brandon cooks is looking at another thousand yard season so i think he's a, a massive value you can get him as your third wide receiver i think he's gonna by the time the season starts going, you're going to be happy with him as your second wide receiver. Um, and Hopkins, I do have the the totals here. It's 150 targets are vacated. Yeah, it's a significant amount. That is significant. And, you know, I, I you talk about Fuller, and I think he's another interesting guy. People who've read my guide know that I love Fuller in this offense. But like you said, I mean, the guy can't stay on the field. Um you know, I, I think I, I made the comment in the book that, like, I think his hamstrings are made of, of raw spaghetti. I mean, every time he goes out there, the thing snaps. And it's unfortunate because when he's in the lineup and when he's healthy, Deshaun Watson chucks the—you're talking about quarterbacks that chuck the ball. And I say that lovingly, by the way, quarterbacks that chuck the ball downfield because that means <laughs> fantasy points. He throws, he throws easily three to four deep shots to Will Fuller each game. I mean, they take shots— and what that does, it does a couple things. First of all, obviously, it gives you some super home run potential with Will Fuller. Now, that's a, it's a giant risk. When he's in the lineup, he's going to get those deep shots. Is he going to be in the lineup? That's the risk. Um, but well, let, me, let me jump in there real quick mm -hmm. because I think you bring up a really good point because even if Will Fuller stays healthy, that doesn't have to be bad for Brandon Cooks. No, yeah. Will Fuller is not exactly demanding heavy targets. He's a downfield threat. Mm -hmm. So that gets the attention from fantasy 
perspective, but there's still going to be target volume for Brandon Cooks. Will Fuller, even in the seasons he's played 14 games, 10 games, 11 games, he's never cleared 50 receptions. So he's more of a yardage guy and a touchdown guy. Um, it's going to leave a lot of receptions and targets for Brandon Cooks, even if he stays healthy for 15, uh, 16 games. I uh, completely agree with you, and it's the antithesis of what I think is happening in Green Bay this year, um, where I thought Green Bay needed that over-the-top re- receiver because, like you said, is Will Fuller, if he's getting those deep targets, what does that do? It draws the safety over to that side of the field, and it, and it gives you attention 25 yards and deeper in the field. That lets Brandon Cooks on the other side kind of work on one-on-one coverage, you know, run those outs, run those uh, post routes and everything. It's actually going to help him. Um, and, you know, frankly, he's not DeAndre Hopkins, so he's going to need a little bit of that help. But when Fuller's out there, that really adds a layer. So I like Cooks. And by the way, the, the spot that Cooks vacated um, in the Rams, talk about, talk about a freebie. Um, a free wide receiver that could be a bottom flex for you all season long is Reynolds. Um, he's not being drafted. If you've already had your draft, just put him on your watch list right now because nobody's going to pick him up. He's being completely ignored because people, people don't really know who he is. But he's a guy in recent seasons that when Cook has gone down, um, I bought him in Daily Fantasy and I bought him in, um, you know, I, I picked him up on waivers and I just put him right into the flex. And he always got me receptions and yards. Didn't get me a ton of touchdowns. Those usually went to Cup and, uh, and Woods, but he'll have value for you. And this is the year where you're probably going to need to find some waiver value. So keep him on the line as well. I you... think I think Reynolds and Van Jefferson both have potential kind of as like that fail safe if the whole Tyler Higby centric offense doesn't come together like the Higby believers mm-hmm. would like to believe in. It kind of is that three wide receiver offense we've always been used to. Right. I think both of them got potential. We've seen it from Reynolds in the past. Van Jefferson, they spent a second round pick on him. I mean, you have to give any second round pick in an offense that led the league in passing attempts, a pretty significant ceiling, I would say. So they both have potential, and I think both deserve to be on the end of rosters in deeper leagues. You know, speaking of Higby, slight tangent here. Um, Has anybody, why is everybody ignoring the fact that he broke out when Gerald Everett was injured? And that Gerald Everett. It's a polarizing topic. I, I put mean, together a long thread on Twitter. But, uh, like, uh, but I don't see anybody, like, I, I, th- I think people are ignoring it. Like, I think he's all right, but Gerald Everett, you can make the argument that Gerald, Gerald Everett is the bigger factor in this offense when both are healthy. And Gerald Everett produces when Higby's out, too. Like, I don't, I don't see it. That's, it's too, too, too much risk for me. The Rams, by the way, I'm looking at Bavada. They're at plus 6,000. We were talking about Houston before. Um, Houston actually has better odds, can you believe it, to win the Super Bowl, according to Bavada, at 4,500, plus 4,500 compared to the Rams at plus 6,000. The Rams were just there two years ago, for crying out loud. Wild. That's good. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Let me get you another one that I think could be a wide receiver one. Um, and he's being had in the 70s. Tyler Boyd. What do you think about the Bengals passing game? Joe Burrow coming in there as a rookie. Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green should be back. I do think Boyd is the wide receiver one in that offense. Now, are you staying away? Are you buying? Are you buying late? What do you think, David? I am so conflicted on the Bengals offense, man. Like, my gut reaction is just to just think of all the rookie quarterbacks who just have needed time to settle in. You don't see fantasy production from rookie quarterbacks being all that great almost ever. And you look at... Cincinnati Bengals, their coaching staff didn't give me a whole lot of hope last oh, year. Yeah, the no. way they managed that team, like they basically took the same team that was there from the year before 
and ran it into the ground. So Zach Taylor gets a, a lot of love from some people. He does. Which it's it's I can understand coming from McVeigh being a young, bright mind if he's well spoken, but I'm I'm not sure I'm ready to believe in him yet. He could be a good coach. We'll see. And anybody who's on Twitter, you see these stats all the time about wide receivers who just do not produce with rookie quarterbacks. It's rare. Uh, you talk about since like 2000, there's only been a few of them to mm-hmm. finish in the top 24 wide receivers. We That's the wide receiver ones for rookie quarterbacks. We don't even know if A.J. Green stays healthy, if Tyler Boyd is the wide receiver one. Um, but then I kind of look at the fact that that offense the def- is going to need to pass. They're going to want to pass. They have f- four good wide receivers. I think I'm thinking Joe Burrow could have a better season than I would give him credit for. Mm -hmm. So if there's a guy to be good, it could be Tyler Boyd. I'm not investing in him, though. So here's the thing with Seattle. It won't surprise me if they're good. But I don't want to take that chance. Cincinnati, by the way, Bavada, plus 15,000 with the Super Bowl. So not really well thought of uh, in uh, in that regard. But uh, so... Cincinnati has a really strong uh, again if you're not like if you don't bet a lot of NFL if you don't really you know pay attention to kind of personnel and, and what offenses you're trying to do you probably think about Seattle and think yeah they probably suck because you know they don't have they're not in a like a huge huge city so they don't have a huge fan base they've been kind of one of these downtrodden franchises for a while but their receivers you know one to four arguably the best group of four four wide receivers. I'm talking about four deep. They're deep at wide receiver. Um, and they have a, a, a running back in Mixon that can get involved in catch. Now, I like Mixon. I liked him last year. And we saw what he did in the back half of the uh, of the 2019 season. But again, let me just tell you as a, as a better what I saw. And what I'm talking about, I'm putting money on the line. So all I care about is, is whether or not the team's going to hit the spread or not. When Cincinnati was down and out of games. We're talking third and fourth quarter. They're down by like three scores. Zach Taylor started running the ball then. You know, against, you know, nickel defenses and all that stuff. So Mixon went off in the back half of the year. To start the year, he went away from the run and he tried to pass, 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 pass. And they went away from Dalton. They had the the quarterback and all that stuff. So a lot of people are like, hey, Mixon, Mixon's got to be up because he went on a tear in the last year. And I'm not saying you're wrong, but what I am saying is temper those expectations because I think what will happen is Zach Taylor wants to pass. He wants to pass bad. And I was seeing that Joe Mixon was ripping off carries in scenarios that coaches generally would not run. And if Cincinnati was... Six and six in week 13, you know, fighting for a playoff spot. Would he be running down teams' throats when he's down by 20 points? I don't know, man. I think with having Burrow there, I just suspect that they're going to pass more. So I'm fading Mixon slightly. I think he's very good. I'm fading him slightly, and I'm a little bit more bullish on these wide receivers than... And I know I'm in the minority on both of those things, but I just I think that's what's going to happen because I think Taylor wants to be the pass happy guy that we saw with McVay last year. That's that's how I see it. And I think the one major selling point for Tyler Boyd is the success just Justin Jefferson had with Joe Burrow last year at LSU. Everybody points to that. Anybody who's in on Tyler Boyd, that's the instant connection they make is that Joe Burrow he, he's had success with the slot wide receiver. Mm-hmm. So I can understand if I'm buying a Cincy wideout. It's Tyler Boyd. It's not A.J. Green, I'll tell you that. But there's just, it goes back to the Sutton situation. There's more than one question mark. There's multiple. The rookie quarterback, the coaching staff, the A.J. Green. Like, we're talking about three, four, five question marks. Mm -hmm. I'm 
those wide receivers are so tight in that range. Give me the wide receiver with only one question mark, one or two question marks. That's fair. That wide receiver, Marquise Brown. I'd rather him than Tyler Boyd, I'll tell you that much. That's for sure. <laughs> Marquise Brown, the only question mark is his health, man. Like, that's it. They added basically no competition. Devin DuVernay, that's going to help the offense more than it's going to take targets from Hollywood. Last year, he was like 160-something pounds. He had a screw in his foot, like, as long as my head. Like, <laughs> the dude's fast. And the, there are concerns about the target volume, about the uh, yardage volume in that offense. But this offense led the league in passing touchdowns last year. He had mm -hmm. 71 targets and seven touchdowns. That's a touchdown every 10 targets. And this was as a rookie wide receiver playing with a screw in his foot, missing time. So you don't even have to project progression for the touchdown you're gonna you could project lamar's touchdown rate coming down but i think that hollywood's natural progression from year one to year two is going to kind of balance that out so i'm again expecting about a touchdown every 10 targets from hollywood brown you give him 80 90 targets if he can stay healthy maybe 100 targets he could be again around double digit touchdowns yeah, I, I love Marquise Brown. When I saw him against Miami in week one last year uh, with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, Marquise Brown, yeah, I think they threw up a 50-burger on uh, on Miami that week, if I remember correctly. And I saw that, and I was just like, man. I was okay. doing victory laps. Like, <laughs> nobody knows, my friend. <laughs> when you see, like, when you when you root for a team and you see your team just beat the crud out of any NFL team, and uh, it, it makes you feel good about the prognosis of that season, right? And I saw Marquise Brown, and I had number one waiver, and that's the coveted waiver spot, you know, after week one of the NFL season, because you calibrate at that point. And so I had my choice between a couple different guys. I think there might have been some injuries. And I said, Marquise Brown is it for me. I'm picking up Marquise Brown with that slot. And I picked him up. And he did well for the next couple of weeks. But then, you know, he had some it's issues. Tough to predict. It, it, it is, and and he 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 got injured. He got dinged up. The Ravens' offense, um, you know, I think he was out for a couple games. When he came back, he he seemed like more of a decoy there. This year is going to be different, and I actually think that the Ravens, um, I think they're going to pass a little bit more than they did last year. Are they going to duplicate last year? It's going to be so hard. Probably not in terms of percentage, but. Look, you know, I think Lamar Jackson could throw up another 30 touchdowns. And that downfield dynamic, Marquise Brown can be what we hope Will Fuller would have been, you know, if he can stay healthy. I mean, he's that downfield guy. They're so rare. He can be that guy. I love Marquise Brown this year. So I knew I knew you were going to bring him up. I'm a big buyer. Baltimore, by the way, is the second-rated Super Bowl, according to Bavada, in terms of odds. They're at plus 650 just behind San Francisco. And I do, man. I think that uh, this team... I look forward to seeing these two teams battle it out. You got anything more on uh, Marquise Brown? Because I'm going to hit you with something yeah, real good in a couple I seconds. I do, I do. Because um, you talked about the games missed. Like, he missed two games, ended up playing in 14 games. He started only 11 of them. It wasn't just about the games missed. This guy was fighting through it all year. Yeah. He only had six games with more than 45 snaps. And look at when they came. Week two, week three, week four. Didn't have another game with more than 45 snaps until week 12. And then in week 15, he did as well. And then in the divisional playoff round against Tennessee. That's it. Six games with more than 45 snaps. And I talk about how DK Metcalf, I kind of like to look at the rookie wide receiver's second half pace. Kind of use that as a projection to kind of, if the situation is the same, use that as like a floor gauge, mm -hmm. kind of where they're going into year two. I consider Hollywood's situation to be pretty much the same. I, I don't have that second half pace to use for him right. because, like I said, those snaps were reduced. But I look at the six games where he played more than 45 snaps. 
Week two, eight for 86 receptions. Week three, two for 49. Week four, four for 22. Week 12, five for 42, two touchdowns. Week 15, four for 45, a touchdown. Division, seven for 126. That's 30 for 370 and three touchdowns in six six games with more than 45 snaps. That's a 16-game pace of 80 receptions, 968 yards, eight touchdowns. So when he was on the field, he was a productive wide receiver. He was looking like an 80-reception, 1,000-yard, near double-digit touchdown receiver. The problem was he wasn't on the field. When he was on the field, he wasn't seeing a high snap count. So if you project health, that's all you have to project with Marquise Brown here. You don't have to project crazy target per game increase. You don't have to project anything crazy happening to the touchdown rate. Even if it goes down a little, you just have to project health with this guy, and he's going to end up being a massive value as your third wide receiver. Yep. So uh, we're getting a little long into on the tooth of the show, so I'm going to limit myself to three more players. Um, but, uh, you know, you can bring some stuff up. Now, I'm going to hit you with scenario. I'm going to do you a little quiz right now, okay? Uh-oh. I'm going to give you – I know this is going to be so obscure that uh, I, I'm, do, uh, I'm doing this more for the, for, the, the <laughs> for the audience's benefit than anything else. I'm going to give you stats for a wide receiver one and a wide receiver two, and I'm going to ask you to give me the team, okay, from the wide receiver one, wide receiver two, okay? So this is going to be a very obscure question, and again, I'm doing this more for the audience's benefit, okay? So wide receiver one, who's currently, by the way, in average draft position being taken around – uh, the, uh, the third mid third round, twenty fifth, twenty sixth overall. I guess beginning of the third round for twelve team teams, twelve team leagues. Okay, last season, sixteen games, one hundred and sixteen targets, and the money. Right, the the points here, sixty five receptions, eleven hundred and ninety yards, eleven touchdowns. Right, would you consider those to be about wide receiver one numbers? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Okay, so I'm going to give you this: the wide receiver two here, currently being drafted below one hundred. In the leagues, 13 games last season, 91 targets compared to the 16, 116 and 16 games. He had 62 receptions compared to the wide receiver one, 65 receptions again in three more games played. 779 yards, nine touchdowns compared to the guy, the wide receiver one's 11 touchdowns um, in 2019. Do you know the team I'm talking about here? The passing situation. I have situation? no idea. 11 and nine touchdowns for two receivers. How do I not know this team? Uh-huh. And let me tell you that you're it's not a high scoring team. It's gotta be high scoring team. I'll give you another, uh, another clue before I tell you the answer. This team that produced 11 touchdowns for the wide receiver one and nine touchdowns for the wide receiver two, nine touchdowns, by the way, in 13 games, they lost their starting quarterback halfway through the season, and they were playing with a third-string quarterback for the rest of the year and still produced those numbers. Detroit. Marvin Jones is going past 100 right now when if he had played a full 16 games, most of the, or at least half the season with a third-string quarterback, would have got, given you over 10 touchdowns, would have led the team more than Kenny Galladay in receptions, and he's going 80 picks below Galladay. What I say in my guide is this is the value pick of the year. You're getting wide receiver two numbers, assuming Stafford can stay healthy, in like the ninth round. I love this pick. He's a guy that I'm even splurging on and taking a round or two early just so I don't miss out on him and that value late in the draft. Everybody, I, I love Galladay. Don't get me wrong. I love Galladay. And I'd be comfortable taking Galladay you know, in the third or fourth round. I'd be fine with that. But if you're talking about draft tactics, can I have Galladay in the third or fourth round or Marvin Jones, who's equaling his touchdown numbers and exceeding his reception numbers? I t I'm sorry, I take Marvin Jones. If I had the pick, if I knew I could get 
uh, Marvin Jones in the seventh or eighth round, which by the way, you can in every draft. I'm buying that and snapping that up all day and feeling very good about it. What do you think? I, I like that little game you did there. I mean, I was like, who, what team are we talking about? He had nine touchdowns in how many games? 13. 13 games. That's pretty good. Yeah, Marvin Jones, he's getting a lot of sleeper love. I would call him probably the sleeper wide receiver of the year, honestly, based on the the Twitter gauge. That's for sure. Yeah, man. I, I just I can't believe he's going going that deep in drafts. And so, when, again, I'm looking at my board. I'm doing these mock drafts, and I'm thinking the tactics. Like I said, I came into last week thinking maybe I'll just lean wide receiver early, but I'm seeing these guys go later, and I'm loving them. I'm loving the guys yeah. in the late I'm rounds. Gonna lead, I'm going to lead that into this. Let me let me do a trivia for you, okay. all right? <laughs> so this team was uh, one of the top passing offenses in the league last year, and their number three wide receiver had 55 receptions for 828 yards and three touchdowns. Which team was that? 55 for 828 and three, their number oh three wide gosh. receiver. Oh, and they were a top passing team. I'm yep, running they're in the lower half of the United States. <laughs> the lower half of the United States. Um, I'm, I'm turning around. Dallas, I'm looking at my helmet. Cowboys. If you're seeing me, <laughs> that would be the Dallas Cowboys. Da- no um, kidding. Randall Cobb last year as wow. the number three wide receiver had 55 receptions, 828 yards, and three touchdowns. Why do I care about Randall Cobb? It ain't about Randall Cobb, my friends. He's not my wide receiver sleeper here. It's C.D. Lamb, all right? Yeah. Everybody's fading the rookie wide receivers. You can get this guy as your fourth wide receiver. I get it. COVID, wide receivers especially, they're going to need time to settle in. It doesn't matter. C.D. Lamb settling in in a COVID situation is a better player than Randall Cobb was last year. He just is. He's a better player already. He's going to make better plays, and I think he's going to see the same targets. Jason Witten vacates 83 targets. Those aren't all going to Jake Blake Jarwin, my friends. <laughs> CeeDee Lamb, I call 55 for 828-3. I call that the floor for CeeDee Lamb. And then you talk about this offense. This is a 5,000 passing yard offense. I'm expecting all three Dallas wide receivers to hit 1,000 yards this year. You can give 750 yards to the running back, 750 yards to the tight ends. You still have 3,500 passing yards to split up between those three wide receivers. Then you talk about... What happens if Michael Gallup or Amari Cooper get hurt? We're talking about possibly an elite Mm -hmm. prospect who is in a 5,000-yard passing offense, might have a role to being the number one option. This is the type of Odell Beckham blow-up rookie potential that I don't think any other wide receiver going after round seven possesses. I think CeeDee Lamb is that guy. Even in redraft, you got to get this guy on your team. Talk about the health of Amari Cooper – has had those ankle foot injuries. Mm. Michael Gallup, he got hurt last year. There's a strong chance one of these guys are missing games. C.D. Lamb, I want him on every single one of my redraft teams. I think he's going to be a valuable flex even as a rookie. That's the floor. And I think he's got major, major, major blow-up potential in the second half of the year. I do like his blow-up potential. I agree um, in this offense. I think this, and, and you know the McCarthy system. And, and yes, I do think they're going to lean. Yeah, don't even talk about the McCarthy yeah. system. You look at all the... Red zone touches that were going to Zeke McCarthy likes to pass more in the mm-hmm. red zone. Yep. So that could be better from a statistical perspective uh, for this passing offense. Remember those Packers offenses that uh, regularly produced, again, Cobb, um, uh, Jordy Nelson, and Devontae Adams. And they, they had you know, a rotating group, but they always, they always produced three, three wide, wide receivers. receivers. 
And I, I like I like CeeDee Lamb quite a bit. I will say in terms of rookies, I do think I like the the upside of Ruggs better. Um, I don't have his— I going to go another R word. Yeah, yeah. I, so I like I like Ruggs, but I do like CeeDee Lamb quite a bit for all those reasons. And you're talking about Dallas's wide receivers. Um, again, these guys that are going kind of later, I actually like—look, I'm not going to put my money on this, but— it would not shock me in the least if Michael Gallup is the top fantasy scoring wide receiver here. He's going at, at pick 70, I think, at this point in average draft position. I like this Dallas passing game. I'm with you. Let me hit you with my—we're um, talking about guys going—or I'm talking because I was just talking about uh, Marvin Jones going after pick 100. I'm going to hit you with another one um, that I like quite a bit. I think the, possibly the steal of the draft along with uh, Marvin Jones, a wide receiver one for his team, John Brown. I don't see why he's going so late. I know they got Stefan Diggs there, but look, he's not going to get you a ton of receptions because Josh Allen isn't that kind of precision quarterback, but they're going to be taking a lot of deep shots. I argue that John Brown will catch more touchdowns because of the extra attention that Stefan Diggs will take. And so you're looking at, if you're sitting in the 10th or 11th round, you're thin at wide receiver, you're looking at other guys in the area. I go with the proven one. You're talking about question marks. He has the least amount of question marks for me. He had his best uh, best season last year receiving because he had the most opportunity, in my opinion. I don't think it was an outlier year. I think that he's going to give you value. And, um, you know, you could do a lot worse in that 10th yeah, that round pick. I mean, you could take your backup quarterback or you could take a wide receiver. That could be a bottom flex for you guy or maybe your, uh, your first guy off the bench in a bye week. Don't get me wrong. I love John Brown, the talent. As a Ravens fan especially, he he was great for us. Mm. I loved when we signed him. It hurt me to see him struggle when we went from Flacco to Lamar, and it hurt me to watch him go to Buffalo. And it didn't hurt me to watch him succeed. I loved watching him succeed in Buffalo. Mm. But I cannot invest in what is Josh Allen's second target, man. Like, I just can't do it, man. I cannot do it. He threw for how many passing yards last year? It was the low 3,000s, man. <laughs> he was one of the least accurate <laughs> passers in the league. I get it. He was good to John Brown. I'm just – I want higher upside. And a guy I'd rather go with, you said rugs. I was hoping we were going to go Rager because <laughs> I'm, I'm again, looking at these rookie wideouts. Everyone's fading them. Dude, this is the year to target them because they're going so late. They're they going, going late. so free. And the upside is just huge. Jalen Rick, talk about number one. He is the number one wide receiver on his team. I don't care that he's rookie. He's already the number one. All Sean Jeffrey going to be starting on the PUP, I believe. Deshaun Jackson, he's had – more than 775 yards once in the past five years. He said more than four touchdowns, zero times in the past five years. He's 33, going to be 34 this year. He hasn't played a full season, I don't think, in the past five years. Sean Jackson is a nobody in my mind at this point. All Sean Jeffrey is a nobody in my mind. You have Ertz and Goddard. Jalen Rager is going to be, at worst, I think the number three target. He's a freak. He's got the high draft capital. He's got the situation. He's already a 4,000-yard passing offense. Give me Jalen Rager over John Brown 10 times out of 10 and twice on Sunday. <laughs> I'll say this. So back to John Brown, I'll clean this up real quick. I think that's the that's the difference. You said, you know, John Brown, second second um, targeted guy for uh, for Josh Allen. I think he's going to be still the number one receiver in this offense. And I think that's... I would love to see that. I would I, love to see I, that. I, I do think... I, I think that's where the, where the disparity is between, again, me, who I, I recognize I'm in the minority there and the rest of the NFL... Um, last year, I'll, I'll say the stats here, 15 games for John Brown last year, 115 targets, 72 receptions, over 1,000 yards, and six touchdowns. Um, 
Yeah, so I think and that he's a good player. He's underrated as a player. Yeah, I think he, I think he'll reproduce those numbers. I don't necessarily see think we'll see an increase. I don't think we'll see much of a decrease either. I think there's going to be a consistent line. And again, in that that tenth or eleventh round, that's kind of what I'm looking for. Rager, you mentioned, I like him. Very good points. And I'm going to say Alshon Jeffrey, who's going right at 150. If he's on the field, he's going to draw. He's going to draw targets. Right? You're talking about a guy. Yeah. That's a if bigger than the Statue of Liberty, my friend. <laughs> so, but here, here's here's my argument, right? So you're you're sitting at at round. Let's say you're in a a 16 player league, right? Um, you're sitting in the last rounds. I'm somebody who I would rather start the run on kicker, start the run on defense, and then when other teams are scrambling and they're cleaning up that round, I'm just going to sit there back there and I'm going to save my last pick of the draft for my sleeper. Um, and I'm not going to say Alshon Jeffrey's a sleeper, but He's available in the last pick of the draft, and I think he's going to draw targets just because, like... Give me any of the rookies. Give me Rager. Give me CD. Give me Justin Jefferson. Give me Brian Edwards. Give me Ruggs. Give me LaVisca Chanel. Give me Michael Pittman. All <laughs> of those guys Chanel. have crazy upside, just as much as upside as Jeffrey at this point, and I actually believe they'll be on the field and won't be here, and they're old. If it's, it's not always about points, my friend. Like Sometimes it's about how you feel. If I get burned on one of these rookies... I'll get over it. If I take a shot on all Sean Jeffrey and he burns me, I'm going to feel like I'm <laughs> not very good about myself. The lesser a, of the evils, right? A good amount of time. Like, there's, it's just not worth – the risk is not worth the reward there. I just don't see it. I'm going to hit you with the last one that I think we need to talk – or that I need to talk about and get off my chest here. Again, talking about receivers going after pick 100. Um, this team with their starting quarterback last year went 7-6. and six. Uh, they're a team that everybody is down on. I don't have Bavada, but I, I think their their win projections at like six and a half or seven and a half. I don't I don't have it up. Um, he is a PPR in my opinion nightmare, um, which is if he's on your team that's good, but if you're playing, he's a nightmare for your opposition. Jameson Crowder, he's a target machine. Sam Darnold, seven and six as a starting quarterback last year. They don't have a ton. They lost Robbie Anderson. They're going to be working in the middle of that field. I know you talked about Herndon at tight end um, a couple weeks ago. Uh, look, I don't think um, what's his uh, what's his face. Who's the ex uh, Ravens that uh, guy that went to Tampa? Oh, Bay? Perriman. Yeah, pa- Rashad, Rashad Perriman. Perriman. I don't think Perriman's the right answer now already. Yeah, yeah, and look, I, I think Crowder. You're talking about a guy that you can get in the tenth round in a twelve team league. Um, bottom line flex guy again. If you're if you're playing a league with like three flexes or something like that, one of these bigger deeper flex, he, he could be a season long starter for you. Um, certainly a great bench guy if you have injuries, which everybody's going to have injuries this year. Everybody's going to have game cancellations and COVID. I'm playing fantasy baseball right now; it's a wreck, and the NFL is going to be going through it too. Everybody, so you need to be you need to have a deep roster. Um, he's a guy that if you're thin at wide receiver, man, I'm I'm happy to get in the tenth round or twelfth round or whatever it is. What do you think about Jameson? I like Jameson. Let me sneak in one more who I think compares to him a little bit. You talked about the PPR upside. Christian Kirk last year, the yards yes. per reception was not really there, but he played 13 games. His pace was 83 receptions, 872 yards, four touchdowns. And he did that fighting through the ankle injury. You're talking about if this guy had a healthy season, he was going to finish with around 80 receptions, 900-plus yards, and, and around five touchdowns. Like This guy is going late. I think they're going to try and look to scheme him the ball more than Larry Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald's a good player, but the coaching staff, I think, they're going to look for ways to get Christian Kirk mm-hmm. ball as that second option in the passing game. Yeah, he's like that guy that, you know, I think Christian Kirk can play any 
any position wide receiver on the field. He can play slot. He can play on the outside. And he's a matchup, I think, a nightmare um, for opposing teams. I know Kingsbury is going to be able to scheme stuff. I know. I think he's falling victim um, right now to DeAndre Hopkins coming over there. But, again, we get in this this um, situation mentally in fantasy football that we think that you're just going to plug, take a piece out like it's, um, you know, Legos or something, take the Lego off of Houston (laughs) and plug that Lego back into, into Arizona. And that magically Deandre Hopkins is going to reproduce those same numbers. That's not that we're going to be the way it's going to work. No, Deandre Hopkins is going to be dynamic. Christian Kirk is going to get his, Um, and Larry Fitzgerald will have some value too, but I think this is Hopkins and Kirk's offense and Larry Fitzgerald is going to be probably like a red zone guy. That's how I see it. Maybe a little mismatch, but Kingsbury is a coach. I like his creativity. He's going to be able to get the ball to multiple guys and Kirk, by the way, I had him written down. He's going at 98. The only reason I didn't mention him is because he didn't clear that 100. And I'll hit you with another guy I think is undervalued at this point is Edelman. Um, just because look, I, I know they lost Brady. I know that, that, um, you know, that chemistry, that's that's not something that's lost on me, but he's going 83. I can take a flyer on him in a PPR league because I think Cam Newton will try to hit that, you know, that sh- quick, easy pass, and I think he can do that, assuming that he can. And he's just a good player. Edelman's a good player. Yeah. I think I think you're right. The hate's gone too far on him. Yeah. Um, so that's all the guys. I'm crossing the guys list by list. Did we miss anybody from you that you're very passionate about that we want to talk about? Mm. No, I had one more name on my list, and that was Paris Campbell. I wouldn't call myself overly passionate, but T.Y. Hilton, it's the A.J. Green factor. For me, 30-plus wide receiver hurt last year. He's already hurt this year. I don't expect anything out of him. It's yeah. Jeffrey Green, uh, T.Y. Hilton, Deshaun, I fade anyone 30-plus injury. I just don't trust him. Yeah. Paris Campbell was highly drafted last mm-hmm. year. He's got the speed. He's got the athletic profile. I mean, the only target competition other than Hilton is another rookie. So I think Paris Campbell's got a chance to make some noise this year as a late round target. I like it. People forget about him because Pittman got drafted there. And I, think I people, loved him last year. I loved me Campbell too. Last year. Me too. And he just, he just got injured. That's, you know, it is what it is. And so, and another guy too, San Francisco, Jalen Hurd, I loved last year and he got injured. Everybody's talking about Debo. Um, and I like Debo. Don't get me wrong, but Jalen Hurd is a guy, if you know what if the Shanahan's want to do, they want a guy who's like six, five and built, and speedy that can run a deep in. Um, and Debo Samuel, he's he's dynamic. He's a different type of wide receiver. He can do that stuff, but they really want a physical wide receiver that can run a deep in and a deep out and be a possession guy. Jalen Hurd, I think, is going to have some value this year. Everybody's talking about um, you know the other rookie that they drafted there. I think Jalen Hurd, for what this offense wants to do, is going to get reps just based on his physical pre- uh, presence. Um, I loved him in preseason. You know, he gets hurt. I don't know if it was a hammy. I can't remember what he did, but he ended up basically being IR'd for the whole year, so we didn't get to see him. Um, but he's a guy, again, just put him on your watch list because everybody's ignoring him at this point and see if he gets he draws targets in week one. If he's on the field for like half the snaps, pick him up. Just pick him up because they think he's going to be a monster. And uh, he's got a good chance because if Debo starts on yep. the PUP, he's going to be on the field early in the season. Look, I, San Francisco's very comfortable with him. Read the press on him. Jalen Hurd, like people are forgetting about him, and I know he's got other guys that are – you know, he, of course, they got Kittle on that team drawing targets, but you know, trust me, I, I've I've watched the Shanahan's, you know, dating back to uh, to Denver uh, in Elway and all that stuff. Um, I've seen what the system did in uh, with uh, Johnson in Houston when uh, Kubiak took over and Kyle Shanahan was the offensive. They want that Josh big, Gordon in Cleveland. Yeah, dude, they like they want that big receiver. Jalen Hurd is that guy. So they have talent everywhere. Don't get me wrong, but he will have value if he can stay and healthy. He looked good in the preseason. Dude, he looks so good. I remember watching one of those plays. And I was like, "Damn, 
Yeah, <laughs> I, I actually liked him as a prospect more than I liked Debo. And I liked Debo Samuel just fine. Um, but I, I just, I'm telling you, he's going to be a better version of what Pierre Garçon was um, in the RG3 Washington year and uh, during Pierre Garçon's uh, Peyton Manning years. He's just... He's, gonna he's be, free. He's free. He's at the end of the He's year free. Draft. He's free. So put him on your watch list. Wait until he draws some targets in a game. Just pay attention to his stat line. Once once he gets like seven targets and four receptions, just pick him up and put him on your bench because he's only going to get better from there. But there you go. I've said my piece, David. I've said my piece. <laughs> uh, hey, man. Always fun. Always fun talking. Um, we always, I, always, going? Going? I always try to you know, get these episodes to a half hour. We always end up talking for a clear hour. So it's, but that's good, right? That's good. That's what we want. Um yeah, I don't know what we'll talk about next week. We'll come up with something good. Uh, you know what? Let's, let's give some defense and special teams some love because nobody does okay. it. We don't have to do a whole episode, but let's prepare for that. Give some value picks. I like it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, maybe you know some sleepers, and maybe we'll do some draft tactics, some mock draft stuff. But you know, Dave and I will we'll talk off the line on that. We'll come up with something good. Everybody, please remember to like and subscribe. We really need your support. Give us that five-star review, please. We really need it. And, uh, yeah, everybody out, um, you know, Nail your fantasy drafts. That's what this is all about. Uh, give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Um, give David a follow. Give me a follow. You can find our Twitter details and our, our links to our websites below. And we'll catch you next week.